This is the Context Podcast sponsored by Geist Interactive. I'm your host, Jeremy Brown. We, as FileMaker developers, can spend our whole career learning to design layouts and workflows properly. We take courses on it, we listen to Claris Engage presentations, and we read Apple's Human Interface Guidelines. Some people, like today's guest, Jake Johnson, even specialize in that kind of work. We work hard to make our layouts look good, but then Jake comes along and suggests something interesting, designing a user experience with no user interface. To think of all the hours I spent getting layout objects to be pixel perfect, and he brings this topic up. Jake joins me today to simply explore this idea. It's really intriguing. As he says, he just wants the chance to talk through it. And so in this episode, he just does that. He talks through it with me and we kind of explore this idea. Along the way, interesting points come up and ideas occur to me that are pretty crazy. It was great to talk to Jake, to chat and to see what comes out of our mouths. Jake has lots of good thoughts on this very topic, so let's see what he has to say. Hey, Jake Johnson, welcome to the Context Podcast. How are you today? I'm great. Thanks for having me. It's cool to be here. Yeah, yeah it's 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 good to uh, to finally talk with you. I I'm sure we've maybe met in passing at DevCons or something. Um, I think so. I'm trying to remember. Yeah, it's it's so long ago that we were that we were able to person. see each other. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 It's yeah. really hard to remember anything. I know. I'm, I'm listening to um, Stephen King's The Stand right now, and Ooh. it's it's just so reminiscent. It's just it predicted everything that's happening right now. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> that's so creepy. Except for the Zoom, of course, and, right. and all that. But right. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, it's a weird time. It does feel like I think we met. Lo- I think we met at DevCon last yeah. year when it became Engage. I'm pretty sure. But okay. there's no way to tell. I don't even know what day it is right now. Yeah, so, I don't, yeah. it's yeah. all the same. I mean, yeah. so Jake, tell us uh, about you. This is, your, this is your first time on the podcast. You're with Angel City Data, and it's a, you're the first uh, guest from Angel City Data. We need to correct that, but... Um, yeah, we should. There's a lot of interesting yeah. people here. Yeah, tell us about you and, and Angel City Data. So my name is Jake. I'm um, newly director of design at Angel City Data, uh, we are a custom software shop. We work in a lot of different platforms. We build custom software for businesses, mostly B2B stuff. And um, we work in FileMaker Pro. We work in Node and React and the Mern stack. We work in you know SQL-backed systems. We work in any number of technologies, kind of whatever's the right tool for the job. Um, we are considered a platinum firm in the FileMaker Business Alliance. Um which I suppose is sort of a big deal. Um, but we have a lot of really, really impressive, you know, counterparts and competitors. And we enjoy conversations like these where we get to yeah. kind of compare and contrast what everybody's doing. And um, I handle a lot of our design and our marketing um, and uh, that good stuff. Do you only focus on the design or do you build scripts and that don't necessarily have to do with design stuff? So <laughs> we're a small company. Um, okay. And so that what that means is inevitably I end up doing, you know, any number of things throughout yep. the week. Um, I do sort of, 
you know, I wish that I could say that I got to touch up every system that leaves our shop. I don't because it would just be impossible. We, you know, we handle hundreds of custom systems every year and we've got, you know, about 15 developers that are working on projects full time and they're constantly turning stuff out and projects of various sizes. But for um, most mobile that leaves our shop, I'm typically going to see it before it goes out. Um, and in terms of our kind of flagship stuff, uh, any of the products that we're working on, those are going to c- cross my desk at some point. And then really what I've been focused on lately, um, and this doesn't, doesn't really, well, it kind of involves this, this topic of today. Um, I've been doing a lot of web work, um, a lot of web work recently in mostly react, um, which has been really new for me. And so, yeah, I, I, I do handle a lot of the design, but I'm still day-to-day developing and project managing. Um, so between that and designing our Christmas card, uh, (laughs) I stay pretty busy. (laughs) Do you, you said you, um, learning react, how, how new to the platform are you? Um, about a year, about a year. Uh, so I started, uh, working, I've, I've known JavaScript for a long time and obviously jQuery and that good stuff. And, uh, I've worked in, uh, the symphony framework and developed in twig and some other things before that are sort of similar, but I find react just react and JSX is just a really exciting, uh, venture for me. So I'm actually, you know, I really strongly believe if you want to learn a technology build, build in it. Um, and so I asked, you know, I asked our lead web developer, Hey, I'd, I'd love to support you on a couple of these new projects. And he said, are you sure? (laughs) I said, yeah, let's do it. And I've learned a whole lot over the last year. So it's been fun. I'm about a couple years into react now and it's just, it feels really over my head. Sometimes I always grumble on Twitter and such that Mm -hmm. the documentation for react you know, I, I, I learned React right when um, hooks started to become a Oh, thing. wow. Okay. 16, 16.8. Yeah. So the documentation hadn't switched over to using hooks. Yep. And there was still, they, they, they the, the documentation did have information about hooks, but they always said things like, this is how you would write it as a class, yes. but here's how you write it as a hook. And I'm like, I don't know what a class was. What the heck? What are you, what are you trying to do to me? Yeah. So. I, I still am a dyed in the wool uh, class and object kind of guy. And so hooks has actually been sort of a struggle for me a little bit. Okay. Um, I'm used to writing classes and things like that. And plus it's how I learned react. So I, I totally need, and our, and Armin, our web guys, like you need to learn hooks. And I'm like, I know, um, in between all of my other responsibilities, I'll make sure I cram that in somewhere but um yeah. i know it's easier i know it's fun i just need to get on it and you have a family and how do I you do. find the time to, get this, to do all this work well well it depends i mean it, there's my wife also works for us part-time oh. and so she helps handle some of the administrative load that 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 gets thrown onto myself and a couple of the other developers and project managers here. And so a lot of the time we're kind of communicating about work, but you know, in a way that we would <laughs> communicate at home, we, we, she, it's amazing because there's no one else in the world that I could do that with. Uh-huh. And she just happens to have the right personality for me. But, um, but you know, a lot of it is I try to wake up as early as possible Um, my, I try to keep a steady routine of, you know, wake up early. I, 
have to get some physical exercise in early in the day. Otherwise it's kind of like coffee for me. Um, I can, you know, get a run in or get some lifting in and then come home and, and spend a little bit of time making breakfast with the boys. I've got two young boys. I've got a three-year-old Lincoln and a one-year-old Edison. And, uh, so we make breakfast and, you know, have some yogurt or, you know, and Lincoln tells me about whatever his new favorite dinosaur is. And then I get in and I really, sometimes last night we worked, we're working on our Christmas card right now, which falls on my plate. And so last night my wife and I sat up until, you know, 1145, just uh, designing a Christmas card that we think is pretty cool. So, you know, and we have a lot of fun doing it. We were listening to, you know, Christmas records while we're doing it. Um, we kind of decided this year we get to start Christmas a little early because, hey, we've earned it. It's 2020. Yep. Yep. So, you know, a lot of it is just routine and some of it is, you know, it's an ebb and flow. Sometimes there's way more work than others. And this is just one of the times where there's way more work than, you know, other times. Mm -hmm. Today's episode is brought to you by FM Perception and its companion product, FM Comparison. FM Perception is the only real-time developer intelligence tool out there. In the middle of development, you can switch to FM Perception and learn about the file you are actively working on. You can learn what scripts call the script you're currently working on. You can review all the global variables you have in your system and any broken references and so much more. I use FM Perception every day and I'm still discovering what more I can do with it. And new in 2020 is FM Perception's companion product, FM Comparison. Currently in beta, FM Comparison illuminates the differences between two versions of the same file. It shows you only the differences between those two files and nothing else. FM Comparison takes a difficult to understand report from FM Perception and isolates that report, making it easier to read and just doing a better job of summarizing the changes. In scripts, fields, tables, layouts, calculations, accounts, and much more, FM Comparison will show you the changes made between the older and the new version. This is a great tool to review work done on a file by a junior developer, or <laughs> as in my case, reconcile an offline copy of a file with its host itself. Yeah, sometimes I forget which file I'm working in and make changes in the wrong file. Have you ever done that? Well, if you have, FM Comparison will show you the changes so you can make sure that one file, preferably the hosted version, has all the work you've done. Check out FM Comparison as you check out FM Perception. And if you want, join us every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time for office hours. Dave Ramsey clears his desk and shows you around these tools and how to use them and answers your questions. FM Perception and FM Comparison, how can you live without them? Well, I'm glad you're uh, taking some time to talk with us today. Um, this will be a, a fun topic. I, before we get to the topic, I want to ask you about your Claris Engage Spotlight. Um, you were part of a panel sure. on design, you and Alexis and a few other folks. Um, it's it's awesome mm -hmm. that you're here finally because I've, I've interviewed Alexis. I've interviewed Mark Baum. I feel like... The three of you are, are oh, cool. known for the design, you know, you're pushing it forward in the FileMaker world. So it's glad to get the trifecta uh, finally. But tell us about the, um, uh, what was it called? It was called, um, what was the name of the app? Oh, I just forgot about it. I just forgot. Uh, designing modern no. interfaces or I'm well, trying to remember. I want to focus called. on your, your app that was spotlighted in the Claris Engage opening. Oh, um, oh. 
shock therapy. Yeah. Oh, shock yeah. therapy. That's uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> it sounds worse than it is. <laughs> it's um, it's uh, it is a client of ours. They are a shock. Uh, so they they sh- they maintain and tune shock and suspension systems on UTVs. And if you don't know what a UTV is, it's those cool off-road sort of Mad Max looking vehicles like Can-Ams and Polarises and things like that. I live in Arizona and we have a lot of dirt here and a lot of people enjoy taking advantage of all that dirt with these off-road vehicles, UTVs. I believe it's like ultimate terrain vehicle, I think is the is the um is what that stands for and so these guys shock therapy they're uh world-class uh suspension tuning experts and what that means is you know it's really really bumpy out there there's also a lot of crazy terrain huge boulders that you're going over and things and and uh and there's whole races that take place in baja mexico and the glamis dunes out in the 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 boondocks of california and these are it's a huge industry and so this this company that we work with they started in a garage um, the, the way that they started was Justin, the, the owner, his wife was in a car accident and she wasn't able, he's an avid racer, UTV racer. She wasn't able to join him on, you know, their, you know, family outings. And so he started tuning shocks and started coming up with his own parts with, um, uh, 3d printing and CNC machining and things like that. And soon he was able to get the ride of his UTV just perfect for what they do. And it gets really specific. It's like, how much does the driver weigh? What's the kind of terrain that you're on? How often are you on that terrain? Do you have a passenger with you over 50% of the time? If so, what's their weight? Do you keep a tool chest on board? Do you have um, an ice chest that you keep? If so, where on the vehicle are those? And they use all this information and they feed it through this algorithm that figures out um, to the millimeter how tight to tune each shock, right? So the front driver, front passenger, rear driver, rear passenger to provide the smoothest ride. They're really cool. I mean, it's just, it's this, de- it's, re- it's such an interesting example of where FileMaker fits in the best because there's such a, they are such a, a subject matter expert in their field that we were able to iterate so quickly using FileMaker, FileMaker Pro that we captured their whole process in a matter of months and their business through COVID, through the whole pandemic, where we're seeing lots of our customers maybe need to lay some you know, folks off, unfortunately, or maybe trying to make their systems a little bit more efficient so they don't have to add administrative load or anything like that. These guys have actually doubled their workforce in in the last nine months and that's that's what's so cool about you know what we do and how we're able to partner with with that's cool awesome, customers right? like shock therapy do you do uh, this is way off topic we haven't even got to our topic yet but sure <laughs> yeah don't mind. let's go um so <laughs> when i talked with alexis she she advocated for like a workflow based design versus just a more form view and a list mm-hmm. view what's your sure. do you yep go that way do you how do you kind of design what's your overall philosophy yeah so alexis is really smart and she's totally right i mean i that's sort of a um a preference of mine as well where it makes the most sense obviously so, you know customers still want to be able to get to all the records they need to at any given time or whatever but typically you know i think the old approach was list view detail view 
right? And then, you know, you've got your navigation buttons like go to the next record or create a new record or whatever. And that works sometimes. Um, but what I find is that when you're dealing with users, there's there's typically a goal and it's not, you know, always the same goal. And sometimes it's a different goal per user. Sometimes it's a different goal per department, so, you know, and that's when you start seeing the standard form detail, you know, or list view approach kind of mm-hmm. break down a little bit. And so when you when you design via workflow, like a great example is one of the apps that we built called Barrel, which is a um, wine membership management system. There's a <laughs> there we built it for a vineyard up in Northern California and they had some issues where they were out at trade shows and um, they needed to be able to create customer orders and they needed very specific information at very specific times in order to build those orders properly. And so we guide them through exactly what we need from them in a really friendly way without forcing them to do anything, but more encouraging them to give us good data, right? So, you know, that's in contrast to, hey, create a new record and now I have a whole bunch of empty fields and I'm not quite sure which ones are the most important. And I guess I could use conditional formatting to show people which fields are required, but I'd almost rather just, you know, hey, I'm going to create a new customer. Great. Well, hey, we just need their first and last name. Okay. What's their, you know, what's their title? What's the, you know, what's their phone number? And you're good. You can fill out the rest of the information. That way, you know, at a bare minimum, the program knows what it needs. The app knows what it needs and it gets what it needs. And it's good data in, which uh, good. Well, equals um, good data I mean, out. You're, you're the director of design. So your your thoughts, your philosophy must... Uh, <laughs> I'd, <laughs> must I'd like to think I've been doing something right. But, you know, there's the cool thing about design is that there's always new challenges. And I'm I'm an accidental designer. I, I really didn't, didn't mean to get into this. I, at the end of the day, I don't like doing things twice. I like doing things kind of right. And I also get really frustrated with bad systems. And I always have. And so that's really where it got started. And so what's cool is that we, we like what we're going to talk about today, this, you know, zero UI, what happens when there's no UI? And honestly, I'm not even going to pretend to be an expert there because I don't know. I have some theories. I have some examples. But the cool thing about this whole, you know, design philosophy, you know, is that there's really there are, I guess, some right answers. But a lot of it's so experiential and so contextual. I'm glad this podcast is called Context. It's called Context, right? That's where Yeah, 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 the Context podcast. Everything about design is contextual. And that's so mm-hmm. experience based. So there's no like hard and fast rules. And I like that about it. So uh, you said you're an accidental. How did you gain your chops then? How did you, did you s- take courses on it? Did you no. study theory? <laughs> None of that. I, I'm, 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 I'm homegrown. I, I worked for Apple for a while and we had some systems in place that, you know, Apple's technology is far and above, you know, in my opinion, a lot of their OS stuff is far and above anything else you know, from a UX perspective, um, but their internal tools, sometimes the cobbler's children have no shoes, right? So they, <laughs> you know, we didn't have the best tools internally. And I got really frustrated with the, the system that I had at my disposal. It was largely spreadsheet based, and then maybe you'd get a web portal here or there, but it never had all the information that you needed. And you know, everybody had different versions of the spreadsheet and it was just frustrating. And around that same time, we got a briefing on FileMaker Pro. And I believe it was the release of FileMaker 
10, I think is what it was, or 11. I'm not exactly, I don't remember exactly what it was, but I saw it for the first time and I went, wow, I think I could, I think I could build a system that's better than what we have or easier to use at least. And through trial and error, I figured out some methods and I, I learned that I sort of have a, a pension for noticing inconsistencies or I like to call them barnacles. Dave too, my boss likes to call them barnacles throughout a workflow process, which is just, you know, the barnacles that accumulate on a ship. They, you know, it's, they're little, but the more you get, you know, the more of them that accumulate the, the, uh, the more drag that you get going through the water, right? The less uh, hydrodynamic, I guess, in this case you'd be. And I have a, I have a kind of a niche for being able to notice those things. And I think that comes from, I, I have a, an obsession with, with doing things right the first time. And I don't like, I don't enjoy doing things over again. <laughs> and so um, I think that's kind of part of the problem is my OCD. <laughs> in okay. that. That, that's good. That's, it's good to know that you don't have to be like a, you know, a, you have to go to art school or something. No. To become, I mean, become good at design and file maker. I don't know if that's true with, other technologies with JavaScript and stuff, I assume you have to learn quite quite more about CSS and flex boxes. And all stuff, yeah, but. the almighty flex box. I, um, yeah, you know, I think that school in terms of design, I think if you're if you're thinking about print, it's probably really smart. Um, you know, but in terms of interaction design, I really think it's more people based. I mean, that's mm -hmm. it, it's one of those things where the more you do it the better at it you get. And I, I'm not certain that a course could prepare you for that unless the course was, I guess, prepare you fully for that. Of course, it could it could teach you some, you know, some things here and there. But I, I think unless the course was built around real world scenarios that you need to solve, I think problem solving is such a huge part of design. I mean, that's that's what that's what we do is we make things easier for people. So Jake, one last question before we uh, actually get to the topic. Um, sure. Do you, do you, you said you've known JavaScript for quite a while. Mm -hmm. Do you use it in your design work? Does Angel City Data use it a lot yeah. to bring it into the client? We do. Yeah, we do. We do a lot of charting um, just because it's fun. <laughs> yeah. um, Chart.js is a, is a wonderful library that I've been using a lot lately. Um, we do a lot of Net FileMaker 19, you know, in terms of with all the new JavaScript functionality is really cool. I don't know if you saw Sindelar's latest email about asynchronous activity in FileMaker. Very, very cool stuff. Um, yeah. You know, more and more, I'd say we're we still are absolutely loving the Claris platform or, or products, you know, FileMaker Pro and Connect. But we are seeing a lot of new work in the web realm, and so we're, you know, we are venturing out into the <laughs> the World Wide Web, <laughs> which yeah. has been fun. And uh, so I'd say. Where a few years ago, JavaScript represented JavaScript and HTML and you know the like um, represented maybe twenty to thirty percent of our work. Um, at this point now, I think it's probably more towards fifty to fifty. Even it could even be part of the majority now. I'm uh, doing um, currently. I'm working on three uh, two dashboards for two different clients, mm. like using the DCJS and the CrossFilter sure. library. Yep. Have you? Have you played with those? Yes, I have. Yeah, 
They're, those are the probably the most challenging, but when you understand it, it's the most rewarding, right? Because from my experience, the, the cross-filter library can do anything with your data. It can take 25,000 records and concisely summarize them in a heartbeat. Faster and, than we could ever do it. Too, yeah, right? yeah. Yeah. When, whenever people on my team here say, hey, Jeremy, can you build this dashboard? We have this aggregated data for you. And I'm like, no, I don't want the aggregation. I want the, <laughs> I want the raw data yep. because I can summarize it faster than FileMaker can. Absolutely. And you, know, you can build everything, a composite chart with two different types of charts, with two different uh, y-axis scales on yep. either side, you know, and you can, oh, it's, it's so much fun, but it's really hair pulling. Well, it's also, you know, with, with great frustration comes great reward, right? So, you know, yep. I find that when working in web technologies, my frustration level is so much higher, but my reward level is mm-hmm. really high. It matches. So it's worth it. The juice is worth the squeeze. And, you know, I'm, I'm the same way. I mean, I, I, the more data you can give me, the better. Because I might notice again, it, you know that that sort of pension for noticing inconsistencies or noticing when things happen um, more than once or you know things like that. That applies to data data sets as well. So I can look at you know a data set and go, hmm, that's there's an anomaly here that I kind of want to explore. And I would never get that without you know with the aggregation of that data. I only get it with the full data set. Uh, yeah, it, the, the the DCJS library. I'm actually working on like trying to get some documentation down for FileMaker. Oh, that'd be people. awesome. Along with my FileMaker or JavaScript and FileMaker stuff, I really want to help FileMaker developers learn the basics of this so mm. that they can build five da- five charts that interact. Together. Sure. You know, yeah. The beauty of DCJS is if you click on a bar on chart A, chart B, C, and D renders. Yeah re-render mm-hmm. and with the fil- with the filter in it. So Yeah, and it's without having to build, you know, yeah. what we used to do in FileMaker, which was build five hundred relationships and, you know, have a <laughs> have a, a dashboard with seven charts on it, but the performance hit was pretty brutal because, yeah. you know, the relational engine pulling those records and aggregating data and calculating a bunch of things like it just, it's just not its strong suit. And I think it's so cool that now we can reach out into the web world because things like D3, things like cross filter, they just do a much better job. And in my opinion, we should be using the best tool for what, you know, the job is. And in a lot of respects, it's finally, it's fine. We finally can, can reach out through FileMaker and and use other tools and integrate and it's really exciting. Yep, it is. It is. All right. Well, let's let's finally get to our topic. Thirty minutes into this uh, discussion. <laughs> yeah. Um, but so you're you're known for design. I I wanted you to come on and talk about design, and then you kind of threw me a curveball when you suggested that we talk about no zero design. Yeah. It's, yeah, so I'm Are you qualified to to talk about no UI? I don't think I'm qualified <laughs> to talk about anything, but people ask me to talk. <laughs> so um I, you know, the reason I and I'm happy to talk about design, you know, f- no. f- for as long as the day is, but one thing I'm currently just really mysteriously obsessed with, with you know, just kind of where are things going? Um is yeah. the idea of no UI. And I think that as we see the world of connected technologies and the Internet of Things and natural language processing and um, infinite connectors in the cloud, like Claris Connect, like you know, if this then that, like Zapier, 
um, the more we see things like that, the, the bigger the world gets from a design perspective. And I'm curious um, to see if, and I don't ever think that no UI is going to replace UI. I don't think that that's going to happen. But I do think you're going to see a beautiful marriage between the two. And, so describe uh, it. Describe it for me. I have no sure. idea what this means. Okay. Yeah. 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 Sorry. Um, I'm getting a little ahead of myself. So, no UI. It sounds ridiculous. Um, a great example is, um, you know, hold on. Hey Google, turn the front porch light on. Sure. Turning front porch on. There you go. There's no UI. <laughs> Right. Um, that's that right there is a small example, but I don't have, I, of course I could go on my phone and pull up the home app and turn my front porch light on. Um, but it's just as well that I can just talk to my virtual assistant and have that, you know, AI do it for me. There's other things like there's this really interesting, actually, well, the, I'll start with the most familiar things like home, you know, home automation is a really good example of no UI. Because I can do things like what I just did, which is, you know, asking Google or Siri or Alexa or whoever it is to do something for me and they'll do it, uh, hopefully. Um, <laughs> if I pronounce things very, very, if I use proper dictation or diction. Um, but uh, the it goes further than that, which is set up routines, set up scenes, right? Seven Every morning at 7 a.m., I make sure that my office lights are turned on and that the kitchen lights are turned to 50% so that anybody who comes downstairs isn't blinded, but at the same time isn't walking around in the dark. I don't have to touch anything. My system knows to do that automatically. It knows to only do that on the weekdays and it waits until 9 a.m. on the weekends, right? None of this stuff is really being handled in a UI on a daily basis. It gets set up that way at first, but then it just runs, and it's it's very much an interaction model. Uh, it, it's you know the ultimate. I think it was Steve Jobs who said you know design gets out of the way, and um, and it's the ultimate version of that, right? It's yeah. it's design, good design, getting completely out of our way. That's an interesting thought, and it's actually. Um, I mean, yeah, you're right. It's it's been in our lives for quite a few years now, right? Right. I've had I have I have Google, I have Siri next to me here right. and uh, other people have Alexa. So we've, we've already started to use this. Um, what is your interest in it as a, as a FileMaker developer? <laughs> so um, my interest in it as a FileMaker developer is we were, we were kind of, you and Alexis were touching on workflows and, I, and we kind of talked a little bit about that. I don't see why we can't extend workflows to uh, include things like natural language processing, AI, things like that. I, I, you know, I think it's a natural transition to go, you know, I'll, I'll give you some examples of what we're working on right now. And that I'm kind of, this is sort of part of what has really sort of kicked this off for me. We have a customer in the, um, they, they are in the cannabis industry and they build, are they, uh, they grow plants and they sell them and it's all he heavily regulated. Um, and there's a lot of rules and they need to know where everything is at all times and what's happened to it and when it's happened, but they are constantly working with their hands. We really can't depend on them to go on a tablet or a phone uh, and create a record or indicate that a movement of a plant has been made or request permission to move a plant, et cetera. And so what we're working on is this sort of mesh like network of, you know, we're combining things like RFID, um, barcoding, uh, video camera systems um, where we can actually go, hey, every plant has an RFID tag. We have a sensor at the door 
we can tell when that RFID tag crosses that sensor, we can automatically snap a picture using the video camera system. This is all done through APIs. We can automatically snap a picture. Now we have a record of exactly who took it out at what time. What was the purpose? Well, we can ch- we can check that because there's actually a they have a feed station outside of the greenhouse where they go and they you know they have to prune things and feed and there's a whole there's a I don't need to get into the minutia but the, at different steps along the way again back to that workflow we are capturing information as we need it how we need it and we're doing it without them touching anything except for the plant which is really okay. fun um, another good example I think is um, this is specific to us and it's kind of a concept I'm. Working on, I think all of us as developers, we all put in our time somewhere, or we should be putting in our time somewhere um, <laughs> to Bill. And I would venture to say that a lot of us are not very good at it. <laughs> and there's and there's a whole host of reasons for that. But one thing we're kind of thinking about here is, you know, we we were thinking about the web systems that we're working on, having a phone home. Um, you know, anytime a, a, a user from Angel City logs in to do any work um, or launches the code um, in a live, you know, live model, we phone our server, we we create a suggestion record and we let them go about their business. And then we can also have an endpoint um, with our Bitbucket account which lets us see when code is pushed to a repository. So using that data, using those two records, those events, you know, when the user logs in versus when they push code, at the end of the day, we can present them with a list of potential time entries. We can say, hey, it looks like you were working on this customer system from 9 a.m. to 10.15. Is that accurate? Yes or no, right? And that might happen on a UI. Um, we, we, you know, and that's okay. That's what I was kind of talking about with the marriage of the two. You know, we can, we can use artificial intelligence. We can use context and we can use business logic to suggest things to users that are more helpful to them without having to, without having to rely on them remembering exactly what they did throughout the day. Okay. Yeah, that's. And that's that's all automatically happening. It doesn't it doesn't require me to go to a Correct. different UI. That's right. And enter the new time or start the timer. That's right. It just is handling it for me. That's right. right? Yep. It's contextual and it's personal for you. It's that's yeah. why it's so cool. Okay. Um, you, you, you know, there's definitely some there's definitely some good things about that because like you said, um, we're not good at entering our time and, you know, (laughs) switching between all these different interfaces to do all these different things is really tough at times, right? You've got to rate, you've got to remember how this user interface works and how this one does. So if you just had sort of something that, um, you open one thing and it launched a hundred other things behind the scenes, you know? Yeah, exactly. So that's a user experience. It is. Without there's no UI there. There's it's a workflow, but there's no user interface attached to that. That's what I'm excited about. That's what's <laughs> cool is that you know, and we have another customer. I know I'm, I'm this is example exhaustion at this yeah. point, but we have this other customer who we have to solve, um, and it, they have uh, they rely heavily on email, right? And we all know we don't really try to build 
email clients within FileMaker. Um, we can use plugins and things like that, but they, it wasn't really a route they wanted to go down. So what we're doing is we're sniffing their SMTP server. We're looking into different inboxes. We're looking for any new potential emails. We're looking for back and forths between customers. We're using some AI and some learning to go, hey, do I already have this contact in our database? If yes, I need to tag this email automatically. And at the end of the day, it's very important for this customer to tag emails based on projects, based on people, based on task items, based, you know, you name it. They're tagging literal communication records, email records with different things so that so that their home base can keep track of exactly what happened throughout the course of a job and all the communication between them and a customer. What we're doing is rather than rather than, you know, have rely on them going, you know, opening their iPhone or their iPad, opening the system, starting, you know, a new record, tagging a different a bunch of different people, copying it from the email, pasting it into the record. We're sniffing that server. And at the end of the day or based on user preference, every couple hours, we are sending them a local notification going, hey, it looks like you've got you know, four new emails that need to be tagged, you know, tap to open. Okay, sure. And again, here's the handoff from that UI free UX into a UI. The system is launched. I'm shown a list of emails with the, uh, with the uh, verbiage in them. And the system's automatically tagged based on some context and based on some intelligence that we build in, maybe, you know, who it's from or maybe who's CC'd. And even if we only have like things like a one one project for this customer, maybe we automatically tag it with that project, right? And then the user just gets to basically confirm, make any changes that they need to, and then be on with their day, right? So that's that kind of thing. Hmm. Now, this is becoming part of our life, but... It, you know, graphic interfaces are still mm-hmm. really common. Yep. Do you ever see a day when, you know, you're just looking at one UI and 55 things have happened behind the scenes? Or is it still going to be a lot of switching between interfaces? I think we're in a growth sector right now where, yeah, so I guess to answer your question, I think, yeah, I think eventually we will. I think that's the natural progression of things. Um, it might take a while. But uh, I do think that it's for the please, for the love of humanity, can we please get there? (laughs) Because (laughs) looking at 800 different applications is no fun for anybody. Do you think this is like too big brother ish to Skynet? And should we just accept it and move on with our lives? It's a great question. Um, (laughs) I, (laughs) the nerd in me goes, yes, but that's awesome. Um, The the realist and the, the human in me goes, well, it might sound like that, but remember, everything we're building is based on customer requests and it's in, you know, for the good of the company and it's using business logic. And we would never try to intrude on anybody's privacy. What we're trying to do is build workflows that that don't rely on users having to work <laughs> to, to build those workflows. We're trying to intelligently gather information to them from them um, through a number of mediums. And then we're trying to go, hey, it looks like this is what you were doing. Is that reasonable? Does that sound good? You know, um, a great example is, um, you know, call trees, calling, trying to get technical support, trying to get, uh, you know, I think there's even a website dedicated to like, how do I get in touch with a human at this organization? A lot of companies you're seeing move to an AI based chatbot for that kind of thing. And that has been very helpful for a lot of people. In fact, there's a whole website I was just looking at earlier dedicated to what that's actually materializing into in terms of dollars 
for um, for some organizations, you know, saving time uh, with their call reps on, you know, X amount of minutes throughout the year based on, you know, how many calls and what those calls were about. And maybe we can answer, you know, 70% of those calls with a chatbot, you know, things mm-hmm. like that. You know, a chatbot really is a UX with no, without added UI, I should say. It's a UI that people are used to. It's their messaging application. They're right at home, um, but we can use AI and natural language processing to provide them with contextual answers and information. Um, and I think if you look at what's going on there, you know, just a few years ago, it was really bad. <laughs> I mean, just, just I think as, as, as recently as 2016, 2017, chatbots were still awful. And it was, you know, I'd rather get on the phone with somebody and just talk. But if you look at the advancements we've made in, in natural language processing, what's happening now is really, really exciting. I was I was reading this this about this topic to to prepare so I wouldn't come in with nothing sure. to say yeah. or nothing to ask and one of the examples that the article that I was reading was was about walking down a street with your earbuds in Dude. AirPods in. and as you're walking it tells you hey there's a restaurant around the corner that you like that yeah. you you might be interested in that's right that that's a pretty amazing idea to use audio, to use even just pulses of, of sound or yeah. dipping of your sound to alert you to something so that you're using all of your senses. It seems like this no UI stuff can be more multi-sensory. Sensory. Yeah, it, it really yeah. is. And I know exactly what you're talking about. You're talking about the 3D audio. I think yeah. it's called, um, oh, there's like a uh, Sonav is what they're calling it. It's by a, a gentleman named Andreas Comninos, I think out of, um, out of, uh, uh, Glastonbury or Glasgow. I don't remember exactly which one, but what they did is they set up these hubs in different areas of the city and ba- and users put their headphones in and the mm-hmm. app that, you know, it runs in the background and it would guide them to their, to their ultimate destination by raising or lowering the volume of like urban footsteps sounding. So the, 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 um, the further away the footsteps sounded, the further away from your destination you were. And what's really, really cool is that a lot of times they would start the users in the top left corner of the map and the destination would be in the bottom right corner and users would all take different routes, but all end up at the same place. So that's evident of a very personal experience. You can turn a you know remarkably personal experience into a repeatable outcome. That's very interesting to me. I think that giving users ways to ultimately control how they interact with applications that we build, but with a mind and an eye on a common goal, that's the ultimate application, right? We're not forcing anybody to do anything our way. Well, we're letting them do it their way, but it gets we get to the same place. As I was reading, I was talking about I was talking about how one experience may not work for you, right? It would work for me, like a burst of sound or the the foot. You know, maybe I can't hear it out in a noisy environment. Mm-hmm. So, how do you build something that is going to be? It's even more personal and more right. unique than just a, a form view that you've designed. <laughs> basic patterns, right? Right. So you're saying, you know, some users, for some users, a a, a loud noise may be less preferable than like, for example, a a prolonged vibration or, you know, yeah, or a pulsing or something like that. Right. 
So I'm a heavy believer in onboarding, in in paying close attention uh, to user onboarding. And I think that it's not something we do a lot in the FileMaker world. And I think that's, you know, probably because our customers don't often want to pay, <laughs> pay for it. Um, but I do think that it's really important to, you know, throughout the, the process of, an, of onboarding a user to go, hey, here are the main objectives of this application. And, and probably guide them through like if in for example the the scenario you painted where you know hey i'm walking down a street and maybe there's a restaurant that i like and it's right around the corner and maybe the app you know can tell me that by doing any number of things you know through the onboarding process you could say hey just so you know we alert you we can alert you when you're near something that you might be interested in or in the more business specific sense, we can alert you when you've reached, if you're in a warehouse, when you've reached the proper aisle to start walking down to grab the piece or the part or the component that you need to grab. And then we can gently alert you when you've reached the right place in that aisle. <laughs> we can do this in any number of ways, right? We can either play you a noise. And at that point, I would say, let the user play the noise and see what it sounds like. Or we can, you know, we can prompt you with a prolonged vibration and then we can do so offering, again, personalizing it um, through options, giving them options um, that they're allowed to kind of configure. I think I think you'd be surprised how different the configurations would be across a user base because everybody gets things done differently. So if this is multi-sensory, then I see um, one app on my phone that is telling me about the restaurant. And it, it in the configuration of that app, it says, which sense do you want me to alert? Yeah. You want me to, <laughs> you want me to alert you through your AirPods? Yeah. Do you want me to alert you through a, a vibration? Right. Put the thing in your mouth. Do you, I can tell you by a taste. <laughs> <laughs> that would be wild. <laughs> That would be what it's, <laughs> it's, it's lasagna. Whenever it's lasagna, turn right. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, that's, that's, I think the future, I think, I think the, the ultimate personalization, like, like exactly like the, uh, the example where all, every user took a different route and enjoyed their view of the city and got to learn the city, but all ended up in the same place. That's a success and a success, a success on a lot of levels. We got them where we needed them to be, but we allowed them to do it in a way that made sense to them. And so whatever we can do as developers to offer way more options during onboarding and through maybe user administrative settings, you know, hey, I used to like the loud noises, but I don't really like them anymore or whatever. You know, I'm allowed to change those things. Um, I think that's how we're going to win. I've seen this no UI idea described as calm technology. Yeah. I love that you read up on this because I'm I'm I have all the same articles up. So like we can totally <laughs> it's awesome. Thank you. Let's just read the articles verbatim and call it a day. Yeah, yeah we? we'll just <laughs> that sounds good. <laughs> yeah, where they talk about the periphery and yeah. Thing, yeah. Mm-hmm. So the calm of technology, I think a really interesting part of that article and part of that sort of study and thesis is Technology is kind of the opposite of calming. I mean, we're constantly being notified or buzzed or beeped or whatever it is. And the neat part about no UI and leveraging UX, kind of a a contextual user experience with no UI layer is that we're allowed to, well, I shouldn't say no UI layer, maybe minimal UI layer. Um, We're allowed to move items 
from the periphery, which is really where a lot of technology belongs. It doesn't belong front and center um, in a lot of ways. Uh, we can move it from that periphery to the center of attention, and then we can you know, either make a decision or we can put it back. And I think that what's cool and what's exciting about this to me is that is that whole putting it back thing. Because it's uh, so often it's, it's, you know, hey, open up this notification, do a bunch of things. Now you get lost in the app. Oops. Hey, oh yeah, I'm going to check my notifications in, you know, Instagram or whatever it is. I'd rather, I'd rather be contextually, you know, hey, we know that you care about this. We know that you like this restaurant or from a business sense, we know you're looking for this order. Here's where it is. You know, um, is that what you meant to do or no? And then if, if yes, okay, great. Well, we can continue guiding you that way if you'd like to, if you'd like us to, or no, put it back. I don't really need to see that right now. And that's the the calm, you know, I think we're reaching it. You asked a great question earlier, which was, do you think we're ever going to get to, um, you know, one UI with a million different things going on in the background, or are we always going to be hopping around? I see the natural progression moving towards calm. So when you get a tweet or something that's important from someone that you follow or a reply, you can you can get some sort of notification, but if you're busy, you don't have to attend to that right. and go to that right away. Um, is that, that's what it means by calm is that it's, it's alerting you to something that's, that just happened without blasting it in your face without, and it gives you the choice to, to, to review it or to. Right. Get rid of it. That's part of it. And then I see it extending further from there, which is machine learning which is, hey, I've noticed that you tend to open Twitter at seven th- from 7.30 until 8.30 at night or whenever it is. <laughs> 2 a.m. Yeah, <laughs> some of us, yes. Um, but uh, I've noticed that you tend to do that. You know, we can go ahead and save some of that periphery. We can keep tweets on, you know, on the periphery until that time, unless it's an account that you actively engage with. And maybe that's something that is more important to you. And maybe we deliver those notifications a little bit, you know, ahead of time or maybe periodically throughout the day. But the really key part of that is that is the context. It's the person. It's who you are. It's what your options should be. It's you know, ultimately, it's about giving people control back over their technology. Technology has controlled us for a while. And I think what's so exciting for me is like as a user experience designer is that ultimately, I want to get people back to their families or back to their friends or back to whatever it was that they were doing. And I want technology to be this sort of thing that hangs out in the background until I absolutely need it, you know, and then and then and then when I need it, it's my best friend and then I can put it away. I think that's more healthy for us. Yeah. Okay. I, I like that. I, you mentioned the notifications. I guess I'm still kind of trying to separate because mm-hmm. um, notifications are great, but they actually are too much sometimes. Oh, way phone, too much. Our watch. But yeah. isn't a no UI kind of workflow, isn't that exactly notifying you of something that you were looking out for? Well, I think. Yeah, I mean, in a way, it is. And sometimes notifications are important to see right now, and sometimes we can save them for later. I think the goal is to look at whatever a user is doing. In the example I was talking about with the SMTP server, uh, sniffing the mail server and deciding, you know, hey, what needs to be tagged and letting the server do a whole bunch of tagging for the user. There's a lot that those employees need to be doing in between those times, right? When an email comes in and when it ultimately needs to be tagged. 
And that's what's important. They need to get that done. Rather than asking them to do something right now, I'd rather contextually gather a whole bunch of information and present them with a suggestion. It's a lot like, um, you know, my boss hates it when anybody comes to him with a problem with no solution. (laughs) And I get it. I mean, you know, it's like, well, what would you like me to do about that? I don't know. You know, what do you think? So what I've been focused on is anytime I have something I'd like to work through, I try to come up with a solution first. And then I go to him and we talk about it and we end up having a more productive conversation. And I think that if you treat technology and notifications the same way, which is, hey, I've got this, I've, I've waited for you. You know, I know that you tend to, you know, using, you know, natural language processing, uh, AI, machine learning, figuring out user habits and tendencies, we can go, I've waited for you to get done what you need to get done. I now have a couple things that I'd like to talk with you about. Do you have time right now? Yes or no? Hmm. No? Okay. But then when you do have time, I'm not just coming to you as a naked notification with no context. I'm coming to you, and this is, I'm not really talking about Twitter. You know what I mean? That's kind of one thing. We're, we're more so talking about business logic applications. Yeah, yeah. But hey, I've made some decisions for you in the background. I haven't committed them, but I've come to you with a solution instead of just a problem. I've offered you some context, and I think that's that's the key. You mentioned a, a workflow where a, a warehouse worker is walking through and needs to yeah. find a particular part and, you know, a, a phone or something could gently notify them when they're in the right aisle and then mm-hmm. when they're in the in the right bin. Right. That's actually a targeted interaction. They don't yeah. have to be looking down at their dang Correct. iPad yeah. to look at the map and see where the little triangle is. They can yeah. simply just walk right. and let the, the, the buzzer, you know, no, uh, guide them so to speak right yeah okay or drive a forklift for that matter right the god forbid them you know looking down at a phone as they're driving a forklift around a a warehouse i think that's what again this article was saying is that we we are so attuned to our phones to our mobile devices now we have trouble understanding the world and and yeah we've lost a lot of of real honest human interaction and I think that's sad. And I think that in a world where there's a whole lot of frustration and a whole lot of anger, I, I think that the degradation of human communication has has really played a role in separating us in a lot of ways. How do we, so let's talk about FileMaker specific things. Um, first of all, let's talk about the platform itself and see what parts of the platform are lend itself right now to this. And then, you know, I'm going to ask you your wish list of the top 10 features or whatever, top five feature. <laughs> okay. Uh, whatever, whatever, whatever will make this achievable a hundred percent in, in FileMaker. What do we have right now as a FileMaker 19? What do we have in there that can allow you to build a UX with no UI? That's a good question. So I think obviously the introduction of a a more native JavaScript experience helps a lot. Um, You know, we're able to interact with APIs a lot more. I think a lot of this is API integration ultimately is what it comes down to is, you know, know, API chaining essentially, you know, hey, I need to call this API, go do this, that then calls this subsequent API. That API ends up calling 14 different ones and then ends up, you know, 
telling me, hey, at the end, hey, here's what we here's what we found for you. Um, I think the introduction of of more native JavaScript processing helps a lot. I also think that Connect is a really interesting platform too. Um, you know, the the ability to actually build our own APIs essentially through Connect is part of what's so interesting to me, but also you know, the more we can fit these sort of Lego pieces, these software faceless Lego pieces, Twilio, for example, great example. It's a faceless, you know, basically a UI free UX. I just built a demo where, you know, a system can um, t- basically there's a job that needs to start. I know it needs 10 technicians. I have all my technicians on staff. I know where they all live. I can automatically text them all. Um, this job is urgent. I need four technicians or however many. Please respond with yes or no. Are you able to make it on this day at this time? I take the first four. The Any any subsequent responses, I can go uh, automatically on the server. I can say, you know, um, thanks, but we already have our four technicians. You know, we'll let you know if one frees up. Meanwhile, the ones that, you know, we've accepted, we can send directions to. We can send a work order number to all automatically. This is all happening without anybody touching a mouse. And that's that. I mean, you know, my whole goal. I, you know, I always come back to this, and I, I use it in my personal life. So how do I get back to my kids? For me personally, how do I, how do I get back to my kids earlier in the day? And you know, when we opened this talking about our customer shock therapy, and one of their technicians, Steve, who's awesome, he's one of the guys that they interview in that in that video, and he and his wife, um, before we put the system in, they had. Um, they just had their first little girl and, uh, in his interview, I don't, I don't know if they use this in the video, but in his interview, he, he said, you know, I used to get home and she'd be sleeping already. You know, she'd be in bed because we have so many jobs and I'm one of the key technicians and, you know, I have to get things done. We have a schedule and responsibilities and, you know, it was just sort of part of life that I didn't really get to spend nights with my daughter. And he said, I get home and I get to see her now. And it was like, whoa, that's heavy. You know, that's that's what it's all about when it comes to business applications is ultimately, you know, people are not widgets. You know, these workers, they're not widgets. They're, they're special and they're people. And we need to treat them like that. And we need to do everything we can with our applications to get them home earlier. The, the newest stuff in FileMaker 19 was the... Um... Shortcuts. We now can do use shortcuts. Yep. Shortcuts. Does that, are big. Does that lend itself to this? It to does. This idea? Yeah. I think. I think shortcuts is one of those things where I'm, I'm interested in the feature. I haven't really played around with it deeply yet. Um, I think maybe a couple. It's kind of like WebDirect when WebDirect first came out for me, where it was like, "This is interesting. Let's see how it plays out." You know what I mean? And then a year later, a bunch of our customers are going, "Hey, I need this," and it's like, "Cool. Well, I know what we can do." You know, with WebDirect, I'm thinking that shortcuts. You know, opening up the door, I think the, a marriage between a shortcut and then maybe some of the, you know, new API, the REST API stuff, that's where we can sort of get interesting where it's like, well, I can launch this script directly from a shortcut and then maybe um, maybe it's one of the technicians at Shock Therapy and we always need to go check the orders that are coming in from big commerce and we need to pull the products from those orders and show them those orders so that we can see what's in stock and what's out of stock and what we might need to reorder based on just one little shortcut. And maybe there's another shortcut that has a totally different context, right? That's that's uh, that's absolutely something I can see playing into this sort of UI free, you know, and again, I don't want to call it UI free because a lot of times it's not. It's sort of just partially UI'd, mm-hmm. Right. 
Um, so yeah, I definitely think they can play a role. Here at Geist Interactive, we were just talking in our daily meeting one day and we were talking about auto and I had this idea of, of allowing shortcuts. You could tell Siri to um, do a migration sure. uh, of your files or something. Hey, migrate client file A to the production sure. server or something yeah. like that. Yeah. That'd be awesome. <laughs> that way you can be doing that while you're driving home or Dude, while you're... <laughs> if you build that, they will come. I'm telling you right now, I'd, I'd love that. Okay. Um, machine learning. <laughs> have you, have you done much with that? Does that support this? Uh, so, this? Yeah, you know, um, we have, and, uh, a little bit, it's sort of exploratory. Um, Armin, who's one, who's our mean web guy, um, can detect a, uh, a piece of art, right? So we have, a, we work with a lot of artists. Um, we can use machine learning to actually detect, um, a piece of art and determine who the artist is, what the piece was, when it, you know, all the information about that art. That's pretty sweet, you know, um, museums, uh, trade shows, things like that, where all I have to do is point a camera at something and we can learn what it is. Um, and we can provide some contextual information based on that. That's awesome. Right. Kind of like the, the demo they did last year at DEF CON. I think it was like a, was it an engine P I forget exactly what. Yeah. Yeah. That was, uh, that's, I absolutely see that as again, I don't necessarily need to be filtering through a list of parts. I I don't even need to know what this part is. I can show my camera the part and the system can go, I think you mean this. Is that right? And I say yes. And the more times I say yes, the more sure of itself the system becomes. And suddenly we're way more accurate than we used to be. The part of the what what I understand makes a UI no UI experience work is that the the system something needs to have knowledge of the person right yeah. so if we're walk again we'll go back to the street uh, restaurant example <laughs> if it knows that i don't like indian food or right. sushi or something then as it's detecting what's around me it's going to ignore those restaurants right 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 um, so filemaker is a database i don't know yet i'm not sure that I'm speaking right here, but mm -hmm. it's, I'm wondering if there's something that could be done with this machine learning that knows me a little bit better. Yeah. Is that, is that part of what this is about? Can it summarize? Can, can the machine learning like synthesize a, a, a bunch of records in my file? Well, I don't know. <laughs> and that's, okay. and, and, you know, again, I'll, I'll, I'll just like I told you the other day, you know, this whole thing, this is a new area for me and I'm really interested in it. And I have so many questions and I'm, you're asking some really good ones. And I think what I, how I would answer that is everything, just like you said, it comes down to you and it comes down to context. And the smarter we can make our systems, the more we can, we can make our systems know their users and who they are individually. I think the more our users are going to get out of them and how we do that, I'm still exploring and whether, you know, and I think if we as, you know, FileMaker developers sort of consider this as a general broad idea, this idea of making a bunch of decisions in the background and then allowing users to either approve or edit or, or decline those decisions or workflow components, if we think about that as sort of where things are going, I think we've got some brilliant people in this community. And I think that we're going to see some really outstanding use cases 
of you know FileMaker native uh, um, components that are that play to this concept really, really naturally. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I could see like it's it's constantly searching a database to say what kind of restaurants does he like. Oh, I to the left of him, there's a, a sushi place. Is that sure. his records? If not, then well, don't alert. Yeah, you know, I I think, it, and it's it's I yeah the the restaurant thing is it's kind of like you're walking along with a friend and that friend knows you and knows yeah. that you don't like sushi and so they can say yeah you know if you're not from that city it's like yeah I know they don't like sushi so I'm not even gonna bring it up you know it's mm-hmm. it's not a good I know I know they like Thai food so I'm gonna kind of say hey there's like four options of Thai they're right within a mile of us right now which one would you like to go to um, and then and then further than that it's like I know you know this one has happy hour and whatever. Um, from a business perspective, you know, I think it's more along the lines of, you know, hey, we have a really sp- – I'll use shock therapy again as, a, as an example. Uh, anytime a job gets booked, they have to take a deposit. Well, there's eight different people that can book jobs, and there's like 12 different people that can take deposits. So um, what we're doing <laughs> is – and this is FileMaker Native, and it's, it's not – it's in its infancy. Um, but we are creating decision records which is, okay, I know that every time a job gets created, a deposit has to be taken, which means there's an action item called deposit that gets assigned to all 12 people who are allowed to take those deposits, who are allowed to run the payment processor through QuickBooks. And what I can do is over time, notice who is taking those deposits more often, right? So I'm able to go, I can see that Samantha is taking a lot of deposits. So I can actually just now start learning that maybe instead of notifying all 12 or putting it at the front of all 12 people's attention, I can start sort of moving things more independently onto Samantha's plate because I noticed that she gets things done really, really quickly. That kind of thing. Um, Where, you know, the notification for all 12 people is great, but it doesn't do me any good if, you know, four or five of those people never do it because we have a, you know, a completion record on that action item, right? Who who finished it at what time? How long did it take them from the time that the record was created until the completion, you know? And then over time we can notice trends. And those trends um end up translating themselves into UX workflow without any real UI. Well, you know, in between two different UI. <laughs> I guess I took a deposit. All right, I scheduled a job in the UI. Now a whole bunch of stuff happens in the background. And then I get a notification delivered that I can make a decision on, and, and it's all contextual. What does FileMaker need to add to the platform to make this truly usable in a business setting for our clients? Like, what would what would help shock therapy in their daily work? You know, um, rather than walking around with the iPad, what what more could be done? What could be added? That's such a good question because you know it's not a I, I tend not to go, I wish they'd do this in FileMaker. I tend to go, how can I get sure. this done? Um, I mean, some like listening device, like listening, being able to transcribe. Uh, oh, dude, if we had OCR, or? if we had native OCR, if we had um, natural language processing as as a piece, that would be huge. I mean, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, we can leverage other technologies like Twilio to build call trees or text logs or, or I'm sorry, text trees or whatever, um, chat bots and things like that. But if FileMaker, if FileMaker had, a, you know, some more of that, I think they're going in the right direction with the machine learning. I think there's a million different things they could focus on here. Um, I, OCR would be outstanding. 
you know, allowing computers to do the reading for you and then present you with some contextual options of how you can respond to that. Um, that would be incredible. Um, you know, there's, I guess there's, that's a great, it's just such a good question because it's one of those things where you don't often sit down and think about what they could do better. It sort of just happens where you're just like using an application and you're like, Oh, it would be nice if it did this, <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's like, well, it can't yet, but I guess in FileMaker 20, maybe we'll get it. You you mentioned APIs, other services. I, I assume there's some sort of text to speech or speech to text translator out there. Doesn't there, AWS yeah. have? They, do, they so. do. Yeah. And a na- but a native FileMaker where we don't have to really rely on any kind of API call would be awesome. Or even just to record it, because I don't think yeah. you can do a recording inside of a container field, right? You can only place audio I, files in there. So I don't know. I don't know if that's true. You might be right, but I haven't, I, 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 let's just say this. I don't know enough to say yes or no to that. I really don't. So you're probably right. (laughs) So so something like that would be useful because then you're like, you know, again, a a client, one of your clients could walk up to one of their customers and say, I'm going to start to record this. Just describe your order. Tell me what you want to order. Right. And then it, you know, somewhere in FileMaker, it's recording it and then you press stop and it immediately turns that into to mm. record. Yeah, I can see it being um, really, really helpful in terms of getting client uh, approvals done on things like, hey, I'd like to add part X, Y or Z to this job, you know, because what they do when they first when the clients get there for their appointments, they walk around the car, they take pictures, they talk about what they're going to do. And the text can go, hey, based on what I'm learning, um, I really think that we could add a sway bar on the rear side. We could do, you know, whatever it is. And if FileMaker could interpret those things, right? Um, he, you know, offered sway bar X, Y, and Z. Customer said and clearly capture, yes, I approve or whatever it is, and do that all automatically. That would be incredible. What we're building for them right now is a Twilio integration where uh, we're doing this on a bunch of systems where they can actually text the customer straight from the order, um, and we have you know pre kind of text blobs that we can replace text with, you know, Hey, I want to add this product, this product, and this product. Uh, do you approve? Yes. Or reply? Yes or no. And the customer can reply. Yes. And that fires off a whole bunch of script triggers that then, you know, you know, add those products to the the job and, and, and attach an approval record with, you know, the, the actual text message from the customer with the date and time and all that good stuff. So we're kind of already doing that, but we still rely on the tech building that text message, right. And sending it. Um, having it, you know, just throughout the interview process of, Hey, I, I'd really recommend doing this, this, or this to your vehicle and having a customer be able to go, yeah, sure. That sounds good. And FileMaker being smart enough to know, okay, that, that is an affirmative, right. And I can do a bunch of things based on that information. That would be really cool. Hmm. I, this, the, I don't know, you know, you're right. It, it's all about the business. What do they want? Right. Uh, but there's, there's probably some general, possibilities out there that that we could start to explore it'd be nice if you know if i could get filemaker to dim the lights quickly yeah i fill up lights if yeah. a certain order comes in or or something like that you know that that alerts me and so that i can go attend to it as, as soon as possible. i think that's what they're trying to tackle partly with connect or things like that right okay where you know and that's why i think connect is you know connect still it's in, in, in its infancy but I really do see, you know, if if I had to say one thing to FileMaker, I would say do better with API integrations. Um, they've accomplished that, you know, in, in large part with the REST API, the data API. 
but you know, making it easy for your average citizen developer. And I think what they're trying to do through Connect is exactly that, which is, hey, when an order comes in, I want to go ahead and control a Philips Hue bulb, and you know, and it, building an if this then that chain in Connect that runs automatically in the background. Great example of UX with no UI. Right. That I, so I, I do see them moving into this territory. I'm excited to watch Connect grow as a platform. It would be really exciting. I know that, you know, we're still we're, we're in a platform, you and me, that um, that is really interested in in being in FileMaker and using FileMaker objects, scripts, all the stuff that's inside of the app that you open. Mm-hmm. Um, but this this seems to be begging i mean it's literally impossible to do what we've been describing yes. with just file stuff yes. right yeah so you've got to be able to this is another use case another reason to expand out and move beyond just the filemaker app and and see what else is out there mm. to reach out to yeah yeah when we, when we build stuff for clients when we solve problems for clients it's not about the tech it's not about filemaker we're not building filemaker we're building workflows that's right and if, if our customers want a workflow that will send a text to someone you've got to invest some time in in learning how to do that yep right yeah there's yeah. no native out of the box kind of functionality and to your point earlier you know it, there's a million different things that customers want and building all those into FileMaker is probably not really on the roadmap <laughs> because, yeah. you know, because it would be impossible to try to predict what everybody wants. But I think through Connect, things like Connect, things like opening up to, you know, making API integration easier for citizen developers, I think finding the right, you know, Twilio is a great, I keep bringing up Twilio because I'm coding in it right now. Um, but uh it's a great example of, you know, hey, there's this really neat technology that FileMaker doesn't have to build. Claris doesn't have to build it. You know, as long as you make it easy for us to integrate with it, um, it's up to us, um, how, you know, in, in terms of how to build those experiences. Is this, is this exciting for you or do you look at it and go, oh my gosh, I have to learn all this new stuff. I'm never going to stop learning here. I'm never going to stop. <laughs> um, it depends on the day. <laughs> no, but I think ultimately I am not happy if I'm not learning. And so I, I'm one of those people that I, I just, I have to have new information, you know, relatively consistently and I enjoy being challenged and I enjoy overcoming adversity, um, you know, of my own, <laughs> my own stupidity, you know, my, my own, I guess I should say ignorance, like where I didn't know that something existed yesterday. I like to know that it does today. And mm-hmm. so that, that makes me excited for the future. Um, knowing that I'm going to be dealing with a lot of API integration um, definitely makes me kind of nervous. But at the same time, you know, it's, it's part of what fuels me. And there's nothing like it, nothing like it when something works, when you didn't expect it to, you know? Yeah, the, the fun, just the simple fun of, uh, like you said, timing your lights to turn on so that you walk down and it's not yeah. or slowly yeah. fading them up in the morning to kind of wake you up or, or right. something like my yeah. three-year-old is afraid of the dark and I think it's normal, you know, for kids that age, but it's so cool that I, through a simple, you know, Google home schedule, I can, I know that if he wakes up early and wants to go downstairs and open up a yogurt or whatever it is that he's not going to be afraid when he gets to the kitchen because it's not going to be pitch black. Right. That's, that's, that's the social, I don't want to call it, that's the social benefit of, 
of things like this. So the little little moments like that are really important. Oh, this is this is exciting, and and it 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 finally makes sense. This like you user experience with no user interface. Um, that's a it's a interesting concept. Eventually, maybe one day we'll be able to build FileMaker apps with no interface. That would be know? wild. Um, I think the fact that <laughs> the fact that eventually XML we will be able to use XML to build apps. We could be walking our dogs, and we could define a table as we're walking our dogs. <sighs> If that, if that happens, um, <laughs> I, I can retire. I think I'll be, I, it'll be a, okay. Actually, I won't want to retire cause I'll, I'll never want to stop building stuff. You know, yeah. the only drawback to being a developer is that, um, you don't, you're not out in the real world a whole lot, you know? And so I kind of have to set aside time to go do things like I, we love backpacking and hiking and things like that and getting outside. And, and when you're sitting in front of your computer all day, <laughs> you know, you don't really get to do that a lot. But if I could be on a, you know, um, at 12,000 feet, you know, with our dog on a backpacking trip and define a table, I mean, call it quits, man. I'm in, let's do it. I'm not sure how you build a client for that, though. Right? Um, it would be hard. Uh, you know, they, yeah, you'd, it was really grueling. I really worked hard to define that table. I climbed for four hours to build that table. That, and, and let's say one of the drawbacks, I ha- one of the things I don't like about these this connected environment is that you actually still have to speak to it, right? Yeah, I, true. I really, at, at four in the morning when I'm getting up, I don't want to tell Google to do something. Um, I hate... Sometimes I hate talking to devices. Right? Yeah, I agree. You know, Especially so. Comic developers are introverts. Mm-hmm. We don't we don't <laughs> talk all the time, right? True. So we we need to go another step where it just anticipates or where it just reads our brain signals. Yeah, yeah, that that's full blown Skynet maybe. But um, I think noticing patterns. I think getting smarter with noticing user patterns. You know, I it's it goes back to the very basics of user experience, right? The the, the number one way you can start to to smooth out somebody's experience is to watch them use whatever it is they're using right now, or watch them. I like to, when I go into clients, I, I like to, um, I like to go show me the life cycle of like whatever you can usually identify like a job or a project or an order or whatever it is. And I watch them and I watch them a lot. And I, and I, I usually, I work best when I'm actually doing their work with them. Cause like I said earlier, I hate inefficient systems. It just, they just really drive me nuts. A good example of this is I we had a, a client who uh, they are one of the largest hardwood manufacturing companies. They're family owned. I think they got started in like the 1920s, and they supply Home Depot with a lot of their their you know pine and alder and birch and all that stuff. They own a forest, and so they're this really cool family company. They've grown a lot, and they we built this. Uh, this sales portal for them because their sales guys would go to uh, a Home Depot and have to fill out a paper form stuff we've all seen as FileMaker developers. You know, they got their clipboard and then they have to fax the order back to the home office and then that order gets put in, all that stuff. And we built the sales portal for them on an iPad and everything happens automatically and it's great and everybody's happy. And then the bi- the next big problem was, well, we're getting so many more orders and so much quicker and so much more efficiently that now the 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 men in the back, the, the guys in the backyard, they have this huge yard with like these giant sawmills and big machines and, you know, these giant belt sanders and things like that. Those guys can't get through the order fast enough because their part of the system is still based on paper 
And what was a particular challenge about that client and that part of their process was that a majority, if not all, of the yard workers did not speak English at all. And so as a UX designer, I was like, oh boy, I don't know how I'm going to, you know, this is going to be a challenge. And I, I was still young in my, in my career here. I think it was like my second year here and I didn't know what to do. I didn't want to, I didn't want to just build something for them and assume that it was going to work. Um, but I didn't really understand how to ask them how to build them something that would work. And so what I did was I went and worked the the um the sawmill i worked with them i pulled you know raw pieces of wood i helped them cut it i fed things into the sander you know i tried to understand who they were and what they were doing and what was important to them and i did that for a couple of days and i was able to identify okay so they really struggle in this particular part of the process and then once they get over here it's actually a little easier but if we did this and it would help them cut that down by you know half the time and blah 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 and so that actually ended up you know, being a major contributor to uh, an, a piece, a major component of the application that has zero, uh, there's really no letters in that part of the application. It's mostly numbers and it's a really smooth workflow that allows guys that don't speak English whatsoever to perfectly understand exactly what's, you know, uh, expected of them. And so ultimately, I still think that that approach, that really deep yearning to understand who your user is and what they do that's important to them, that still feeds this contextual UI-free UX experience. You still have to understand who your users are. Because if you don't, you're it's, you know, it's not gonna work. One of the the benefits of this no UI stuff, no U, yeah, no UI stuff is that it doesn't tie us to a device, right? We've we've right. mentioned that many times. We can be doing something and get a notification or be guided a certain way. But what I, I was just it just occurred to me, and I actually don't know the answer to this. Hmm. One of the 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 um, unbindings, if you will, is that your phone has to be it has to be you know it. It, it could be locked and in your pocket yep. and still give you some guidelines, some notifications, sure. some guide, whatever. Yep. Can FileMaker Go do that? Can it oh, Can it notify you outside of the lock mechanism? It can, can send it? you a local notification, but I don't believe that we're allowed. To, I don't think we get any real access to like the Taptic engine. I, I forget if okay. they call it Taptic or Haptic. I don't remember. Um, but that engine, I don't think we're allowed to control that. Um, you know, obviously a notification that's controlled by, by springboard, which is, um, my OS, you know, native. And so a notification will buzz you, but that's okay. not a buzz that we choose. You know, okay. um, I wish we could, it would be really neat if we could, if we could tap into that part. In fact, if I had to say, if I really had to sit and think about, and this is what I meant earlier about like, it kind of, you know, you kind of have to be using it to go, Oh, I wish they'd do that. Um, if I really had to sit down and go, I wish they'd do this. I wish that we could tap in deeper into the SDKs that are available for Swift developers. Okay. That would be neat. Um, that, that's a major thing for me is, you know, especially when I'm developing for iOS through FileMaker Go, I, my whole goal is to try and make make it, the experience feel as native as possible. And when FileMaker Go is a few versions behind iOS in terms of what's available to it, then you're always going to lag a little bit. And I understand there's a lot of challenges there, 
but I do think I do think availability of native SDKs through FileMaker Go would really push the product forward in a, in a massive way. I think you'd I just think you'd see a lot more immersive experiences. So other apps, ones that are developed in Swift, yeah. can access more than we can of the iOS SDK than we can in FileMaker. Oh right? yeah, 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 yeah. So that is that would be a a way to that would be good to add to FileMaker. It, um, yeah, is that possible or is yeah, it... yeah, it's possible. They're doing it slowly. I mean, now we have access to the accelerometer, right? We can just you know okay. determine. Uh, kind of where the phone is, and you know, there's there's a lot the, the uh, latitude longitude that that's you know that's essentially using those as well, and albeit in a primitive form. But um, every year, you know, I try to attend not in person because, well, not in person anything this year, but uh, also not in person at WWDC because it's impossible to get a ticket. But I always try and watch as many of the new. Um, SDK explanations and tutorials and workshops as I can because it's, you know, Apple's doing a really outstanding job opening up so much of their software to developers for use. You know, they really are invested in making applications as immersive as possible. And they've done so much work on the front end with, you know, building these amazing SDKs. And if we could have more, again, you know, citizen developer level access to things like that's just an API, right? I mean, that's all we're talking about there. So if FileMaker opened that up a little bit more to us, I think I think you'd see, I think that the quality of FileMaker Go apps would improve tenfold almost overnight. Hmm. Okay. And that would that would could get us closer to this no UI experience where we're walking around yep. and FileMaker Go is active in a locked, you know, mm-hmm. in a locked device. Yep, and it's 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 monitoring the database for you and and, and where you features. are and what you're. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Um, you could put you could put little tags on your kids, and if you're within five <laughs> kids, then it just shuts off completely. Like that's right. That's dude. Yeah. You know what? I mean. I know that's like a kind of a crazy example, but it means something to me, you know, or at least my house, you know, and not my house because I work from home. So I have to be able to get on stuff at home, but I can definitely see, um, I can definitely see technology playing a part in encouraging people to stay away from technology and spend more time with their families. I think that that's, I think that's perfectly viable. Wouldn't it be cool if the kids had a, uh, a, a, a password that they would just yell out into the living room. Yeah, banana. Shut <laughs> it just shuts down all dad's stuff. <laughs> oh my! Help me, my son, my three-year-old is already doing "Hey Google," and, <laughs> which is kind of scary. And he's not—he doesn't have it down quite good enough yet, so Google doesn't totally understand him. But he's getting there. And I did walk out to the kitchen the other day, and he had turned all the lights blue. Oh. <laughs> so I know it's—it's it's coming. Okay, that's great. Well, this is this is a, a an amazing topic, and I'm you know I I have a good sense of it now, and I don't I don't think it's you know it's not too far beyond because no. we're actually experiencing it already. Yeah, we are, and it's going to be better for us, right? I like this idea of calm technology where mm-hmm. it just it relaxes us. We're not always having to attend to twenty five different things. Right, you don't to put your timer on in a particular client when yep. you open a certain file, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. Right? Yeah. It's, it's, there's, there's a whole new world of how technology can be helpful. 
you know, and we're sort of on the precipice of that. And it's been growing over the last several years. I mean, Hey Siri came out in what? 2011 i think or so or or at least siri as an 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 ai and an assistant technology it's been happening we just haven't really been you know it, it it's a new topic and i really appreciate you letting me come on to kind of just sort of explore this because again i'm not an expert here i i don't know i don't know if anyone really knows yet but it's something that I really would like to be a part of pushing forward in terms of, you know, a strategy and, and an idea, a general idea. Technology was built to um, help our lives become easier, but sort of technology has made our lives a lot more stressful and mm-hmm. harder. Yep. Maybe this, and maybe it's, maybe the graphic user interfaces are kind of part of that problem. So mm-hmm. taking away the user interface may allow us to to get um, technology back under control. That's a really it. interesting point. I, you know, I, I think a lot of what you're saying, like w- what you just said, I think rings so true to me because a lot of times I'll, you know, a lot of developers ask me to, in, to kind of review their UI, right? Mm-hmm. And what I'll notice is that the UI is not great, but the UX is pretty darn good. And... I think that that that's a great use case for somebody who would be great at developing, you know, a faceless UX, Mm -hmm. somebody who really understands how to deal with people, but maybe doesn't quite have the Chrome finish, you know, worked out. That's, that's, you know, there's a lot of opportunity for, for folks who struggle with user interface to really shine in user experience. If you strip away the UI layer, right. Mm -hmm. And so I think I think that's a natural path for technological empathy. You know, we're able to build applications that understand people a little bit better, and we don't have to rely on user. And maybe maybe a user is going to get more out of your application because they don't have to fight an ugly UI; they get a mm-hmm. great UX, right? Yeah. So I think that's a really really smart point. Very cool. All right. Well, once in a while, I have smart points on, on the context <laughs> podcast here. That was one day before Thanksgiving. <laughs> You're good through the through the new year now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, cool, Jake. <laughs> this is this has been good. We're about ninety minutes, and I want to be respectful of your time. But let's uh, let's plan on doing this again. In, I'd love in to. Two months and just talk more about design and more about FileMaker. You know what? I, I'd love to follow up on a lot of the topics we talked to because this is so new to I think to me uh-huh. too and you know, to follow up and go, what if, what, you know, any, any updates, you know, have you built anything new that's cool that you, you know, that you want to talk about? This has been really interesting. I've, you know, when you asked me to come on after engage, I, I immediately subscribed and I've been listening <laughs> to, to a lot and you just, you just do a really, really nice job. And I really appreciate you having me on. I'm, I'm really, I feel very grateful for the Claris community and that, you know, certainly includes you. So thank you for, for, for having me. Cool. That's great. Well, uh, as we close out, Jake, what, uh, where can people find you? How can they say hi? What, what else would you like to plug that you've been doing? So, um, naturally it'll be angelcitydata.com first and foremost, but, oh, and there's my three-year-old. Um, and after that, um, if you want to at me on Twitter, I'm there now. Hi buddy. Um, it's at it's Jake underscore from ACD. 
So um, that's how you can get to me. And um, at this point, I should probably go attend like to my three-year-old. Yeah, if only he had that password that he could just shut off my computer. No, I again, it's it's at it's Jake from uh, it's Jake underscore from ACD. I like popping up on Twitter every now and then. I don't have that many followers, but maybe. All right, we'll, we'll get some more followers for you. Well, thank you, Jake. Cool, I man. appreciate your time. Thanks. I really appreciate it, Jeremy. Have a great day and a great Thanksgiving. And that brings us to the end of another episode of the Context Podcast. Thanks to Jake Johnson of Angel City Data for spending time with me today to explore this topic. We're not quite ready to throw away all of our design tools, but this UX with no UI experience is quite intriguing. I think it warrants some more thought and discussion. If you're so inclined, please take a moment to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Your rating helps us know how things are being received and gives us an idea of what we can improve. And please reach out at support at geistinteractive.com for thoughts on the episode and topics to explore in future episodes. Until next week, remember, the Context Podcast is king.